The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guests, and callers. And now, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living. We have two interviews for you today, and in our first half hour, we're talking about something that a lot of people don't talk about, but is a real issue. And it's addiction, but it's a specific kind of addiction, and it's about compulsive gambling. My guest today is Arnie Wexler, and he's the author, with his wife, Sheila Wexler, of the book, All Bets Are Off, Losers, Liars, and Recovery from Gambling Addiction. And this is a gripping narrative that leads us through the dungeon of a compulsive gambler's world, and how this addiction drove Arnie and his wife, Sheila, to the edge of life. They managed to escape. They've devoted themselves to helping others with the problem that they know so well. And so uh, Arnie is here to talk about this picture and this hidden addiction of compulsive gambling and, uh, and also bring us an inspiring story of hope and healing for anyone affected with the problem of gambling. Welcome, Arnie. I appreciate so much that you're doing this. This is a, a, such a hidden addiction that nobody really gets a chance to understand it. It's not like you can fall down from this addiction. There's no saturation point. Thank you very much. Welcome. You know, I, I want to ask you something first because this is my own personal take on this. You know, as somebody who is very always concerned about money and worrying, for me, and I guess for, for a lot of us, this would be something I would never consider because I would be too afraid of losing money. So I would, if I lost $100, $200, $300, it would really affect me. So there's something in the gambler's mind where this doesn't happen to them, right? That doesn't, they don't get that fear. Exactly. I would guess that 95% of the people that are like you and 5% are like me. What happens is, let's say we both take $100 and go to a casino or a racetrack, and we both win $100. You're happy. You go buy a pair of shoes or you go exactly. out and have a dinner. Exactly. I say to myself, wow, this is my lucky day. I could turn it into a million, and I chase. If we both lose $100, you get ticked off that you lost $100, but you're able to walk away. My brain says i got to get my money back. So I chase wins and I chase losses. And that's the real difference between compulsive gamblers and, quote, normal people. But, okay, all right, so let's continue that. But then what happens when you keep losing, Arnie? Doesn't anything kick in that says, uh-oh? No, because, Patricia, what happens is 
Every comp- almost every compulsive gambler I've ever come in contact with, except for like a handful, have had what we call a big win in an early stage. I had a lady that was 42 years old. She went into a casino, put a dollar in the machine. She won $700, never gambled before. Next time she went back uh, about a month later, she won another $600. She got hooked and ended up embezzling a million and a half dollars. And let me tell you my first big win. I was 14 years old. It was Memorial Day. It was 1951. I went to Roosevelt Raceway, which was a racetrack in New York, in Long Island. And I was making 50 cents an hour after school, working about six hours a day. And I walked out of the track with $54. And I said, wow, what an easy way to make money. What a jerk I was to make 50 cents an hour. I'm going to be a millionaire from gambling. I was 14, and I was hooked. At 17, I was already stealing to support my gambling addiction. So, all right, Arnie, what's underneath it? What, what's, what's the underpinning underneath that makes that personality do this and well, take that incredible in, in the male compulsive gamblers, 95% of the male compulsive gamblers are action gamblers. They usually start in their teens or younger. And 95% of the female gamblers seem to be slot players, and they're escape gamblers. Something happened in their life, a reversal. Maybe a husband divorced them, somebody dies in their family, they lose a job, they get bored, they go to a casino, they win some money, and they get hooked. Mm. Mm. How do you compare this, Arnie, to drinking? Well, if you take a drug addict or you take an alcoholic and you give them a hundred thousand dollars, before they go through the money, they're laying on the floor passed out and unconscious. You take a thousand dollars and give it to a compulsive gambler. They go through the money very quickly, or they have a big win and then they eventually go through the money. They'll go to the ATM machine, they'll sign checks or markers, and the next thing you're going to see, they take the watch off for a piece of jewelry, try to sell it to another player so they continue gambling. There's no real saturation point for compulsive gambling. Wow. And the the attempted suicide rate of compulsive gambling happens to be... Uh, 20 times higher than the national average with the drugs or addiction stuff. So what that tells me is that at some point they realize they've boxed themselves in and they could have nothing. Well, a, a class example is I run a national hotline called 888-LAST-BET. I got a call a couple of years ago from a lady. She said, my husband's a compulsive gambler. I said, when did you find out? She said, six weeks ago when the FBI arrested him for an embezzlement from an insurance company that he worked for. I said, how long have you been married? She said, 33 years. I never knew my husband gambled, she said. Mm. And it can be that hidden. There's lots of cases like that. Mm. Okay. So how did you stop? What was your wake-up call? Well, (laughs) I was 30 years old. I was living in a house, uh, a rental apartment. We had no car because three years before, the bookmaker told me on a Monday, if you don't bring me the money you owe me, you can't gamble. So I sold my car, which was a year old. It was a Chevy Impala. had 10,000 miles on it. I sold it for 500 bucks so I could go gamble that night. 
My wife was in the house. We had two kids. My daughter was sleeping on the bed my grandfather died on because we couldn't afford a bed. My adopted son, which was about four months old, was sleeping on a hand-me-down crib with a broken bar, so we faced it against the wall so he shouldn't fall out. We had all hand-me-down furniture and not a lot of it in our house. We had eight bucks in the bank. My wife was 25. I was 30. We were married seven years. And I had her step away from a mental institution and didn't even understand that I had any clue because I couldn't take care of myself. I was only interested in getting money and raising money to gamble and to gamble. And I didn't know how bad it was. I thought the answer was if I killed myself and left the $5,000 worth of insurance, that would be the honorable and right thing to do. And I thought about it for a couple of years there, but never had enough guts. And the crux to the problem was February 2nd, 1968. My wife was having a miscarriage. It was 3 o'clock in the morning. It was a rainy, poury night. I was taking her to the hospital. And I was saying, God, let her die. This is going to solve my problem. I don't have to tell her how bad things are. Mm. And 10 days later, I went for help. Not that I went for help because I wanted to stop gambling, but somebody told me that a 12-step program in New York was helping people financially straighten out their life. I thought that meant they were going to pay off my gambling debts. And at that point, I was working for a Fortune 500 company. It was the biggest dress company in America at the time. I was stealing every single day to support my gambling addiction. I needed to gamble like any drug addict, needed to stick the needle in their arm or any alcoholic had to have a drink every day. Did you figure out where this came from for you? Well, it's very interesting you ask that question because after all these years, I truly believe that there's a gene malfunction within the compulsive gambler's brain because we do things that other people don't do and there's, there's not really a lot of research done on compulsive gambling, but some of the research that's coming out now is showing that it's a brain uh, disorder of some kind. Very interesting. Mm. So how does your wife, how did you... How did you survive your marriage with all of this? My wife is an incredible woman. We're married now 53 years. This month will be 54 years. First seven years, I had her so crazy that she was non-functionable. She was on Valium trying to cope. She would lay down in front of the door and beg me not to leave, and I'd step over her and go gamble. I mean, nothing else mattered in my life but to get the money and to go gamble. That's all I lived for. And it was, it was a horrible seven years of our life. So if you read you the book, help. I don't know, you probably read the book, so you understand what my wife went through those seven. I didn't even know how bad it was until the reporter who did the book for us, Steve Jacobson, wrote the book. He interviewed my wife in New Jersey, and I wasn't there at some of those interviews. When I read what my wife was feeling those seven years, I couldn't read more than a page at a time, to be honest with you. Wow. You had, you didn't know. Wow. So talk about the success of the 12-step group and how that helped you. We have three minutes to break, and then we're going to come back. Great. Uh, when I went to the 12-step group the first night, I gave a fake name and a fake no- phone number because I thought all I could do was get the money. I didn't want my wife to know. I never had intention of stopping gambling, and I didn't want to stop gambling. Eight weeks after I was there, 
I made my last bet, which was opening day of the baseball season, 1968. And the fact is, it took five weeks till I told my wife, because they told me they would give me something called a pressure relief meeting, or a budget, slash budget. So they said, if you bring your wife, you can get that. So I told my wife, figuring that that's where they give you the money. When I had the pressure relief meeting, they looked at all the paperwork, and they said to me, you need two more jobs. And I was not a happy camper. I thought they were going to bail me out and give me money. Instead, they told me I needed two more jobs. Mm. So what happened? What happened was I went back to gambling five weeks later, and that was, like I say, April 10, 1968. Since then, I had not gambled. But it took me from February when I got there till March when I, till April when I placed my last bet till the end of September to really understand that I really was a compulsive gambler. It took me seven or eight months to really grasp that piece. I really thought I could still go back and be a sociable gambler for that period of time. Did you and know? And now it's been 47 you, years since. Wow. Did you know that that day would be the last day you would gamble? No, no. I didn't know that, and I didn't intend it to be, and I thought that surely I would gamble. What happened was I lost that bet in the bottom of the ninth inning when the Giants and Mets were playing, and the Giants came up with, I think, three or four runs in the bottom of the ninth inning, and I blew, blew that bubble. I really didn't have money to gamble at that point. I think if I would have found the wallet, maybe with $100, somewhere between April and September, I probably would have gambled again. Amazing. All right, we're going to take a break, Arnie. We're going to come back with Arnie Wexler. Uh, His book is All Bets Are Off, Losers, Liars, and Recovery from Gambling Addiction. Arnie and Sheila Wexler have provided extensive training on compulsive gambling and to more than 40,000 gaming employees. We'll be right back right here on Patricia Raskin Positive Living with Arnie Wexler and all bets are off. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Family caregivers face some tough challenges every day in caring for a partner, parent, child, sibling, friend, neighbor, or even coworker. You are there to provide the care that these people need after everyone else has gone home. Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley will provide you with a social networking experience. You'll hear from experts and others who are experiencing the same things, and together you will promote a common cause. Tune in to Family Caregivers Unite, live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Dance Talk Radio has come to Voice America. Join host Tracy Marciniak and her celebrity guests every week for a show that takes you inside the world of dance. What's it like working with stars like Katy Perry and Taylor Swift? The experts share their stories and the -the behind-the-scenes secrets. Plus, inside tips to become a better dancer, instructor, or studio owner. Dance on over to the Voice America Variety Channel every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific for Dance Talk Radio. Families today face unique challenges. Marriage, parenting, and family forms have changed a lot in the last century. 
Family Matters with Dr. Virginia Collin will focus on building and maintaining healthy family relationships. We will discuss marriage, divorce, family mediation, parenting, lifestyles, and mental health. All kinds of family matters. Our show will feature guest experts and your participation, too. You can listen to Family Matters live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Patricia Raskin Positive Living. Such an interesting interview with Arnie Wexler, who is a certified compulsive gambling counselor. He runs a national hotline for compulsive gamblers and is a nationally known consultant and lecturer. He's appeared on Nightline, the Today Show, Good Morning America, Inside Edition, 48 Hours, 60 Minutes, among others. And the book is written with his wife, Sheila Wexler. He was a compulsive gambler for many years and now is helping thousands of people. His brand new book is All Bets Are Off, Losers, Liars, and Recovery from Gambling Addiction. And it's Arnie and Sheila Wexler uh, with Steve Jacobson who who wrote the book. Um, Wow, Arnie, amazing. So let's talk about how the 12-step groups help people. I mean, how, how does it work? How have you seen it transform lives? Well, people come into the program and they share their story and other people share their story. And it's interesting because when I first heard people talk at the 12-step program, I thought to myself, how do these people know my story? Most of the stories are pretty similar. The female gamblers that are escape gamblers, their stories are pretty similar. And the uh, the uh, men gamblers, 95% of them who are action gamblers, their stories are pretty similar. And it's amazing how similar they are. But the ball game is to stay in recovery, to not gamble, to make your life better, to, to make your family. You know, I didn't care about my wife. I didn't care about my kids. I didn't care about my job. I was stealing every day on the job. I, I, was, I wasn't a good father. I wasn't a good husband. And the 12-step program turned that all around for me. And thank God I got four grandkids. They're never going to see me gamble, I hope, the rest of their life and the rest of my life. They didn't have to live through that. My kids did live through that. Talk about the 12-step process itself and how and why you feel it helped you so much. You know, when I first came, I thought for years, what's really the answer to this thing? How does it really work? And after a lot of years, I figured out it's very simple. What happens is it's like probably like a woman has a baby and the pain is terrific and then she decides she's never going to have a baby again and I'm saying something that I'm not an expert on so I hope you could correct it if I'm wrong and then they have a second baby because there's such joy out of having the first baby and then they have the second baby and the same thing happens I think with compulsive gamblers you have the, the pain of the gambling and you come for help 
And then after a while, your finances get better, your life gets better, your job improves, and you forget the pain. So if you're not going to a 12-step program, you relapse. And then if you stay there and you hear new people come in every time, and every week you get, almost every week you see new people, and you listen to their pain, it helps you remember who you are and where you came from. And I think that's the real trick to how 12-step programs work. Yeah, and, and the support. The support's really important, isn't it? Absolutely. I have a sponsor that I talk to every single day. I have a wife that I can now tell the truth to and talk to because when I was in the throes of my gambling, nothing came out of my mouth that was the truth. I lied about everything. And you have to lie about everything to keep the action money going and the, and the finances working in your order and you know the loans that you get and every way that you get up money is something illegal at the end. And you know, you try to keep that secret. Uh, there's no secrets in my house anymore. If I die tomorrow, nothing's going to come out of the woodwork in the last 47 years that my wife's going to find out that I lied about. So here's a question. I know your wife's not on the phone with you, but my question to her would be, why did you stay? What got you through those horrible times you know, Steve Jacobs in the reporter asked my wife that question, and she said, gee, I wanted to leave. I wanted to take the two kids. I wanted to leave. But what was I going to do, go back to my parents to live? And, you know, in those days, women didn't do that. Today, women that are living with compulsive gamblers, some of them are doing that. In the 60s and 70s, nobody was doing that. You know, women didn't have a job. They didn't have a credit rating. They couldn't earn money. They were subservient to their husband because the husband was bringing home the dollars. But it's a different world today. And also, we have a lot of males that are now living with an active female gambler. So that's changed also in the last 30 years. What would you say to parents... Um, about watching for the signs and signals that their children might be leaning toward an addiction and gambling? Well, compulsive gamblers, most compulsive gamblers have had a big win. And most compulsive gamblers enjoy the gambling until it hooks them and then they become addicted to the gambling. They're sneaking away to gamble. They gamble in the middle of the night. Uh, the female gamblers, the husbands go to work and they go to gamble. Uh, the male gamblers maybe do it in, uh, you know, they're taking vacations where gambling is available. They're, they're people with high levels of energy. They're people that can get to the top of their field. They're people that can uh, have very high IQs, most of them. And I've never met a stupid compulsive gambler because you couldn't be stupid to be able to gamble because you're coming up, you got to figure out very uh, ways to come up with money to keep gambling. The drug that the gambler uses is money. Mm. Mm. So, again, if what would be a clue with a child or a teenager? If you saw something, what would be like a clue that maybe you better talk to them or... You know, that they, that they might have a propensity toward this. Well, all those signs that I just told you, they're AAA personalities. Uh, you know, there are a lot of young people that are into playing poker today, teenagers. And I love when I get the calls from some of these parents. They say, well, 
kid's only gambling, you know. He's not in the point where he's doing drugs or alcohol. And another thing, we pervade. Gambling is so accessible and available throughout this country. Here's a classic. You take, you, you see a parent holding a five or six-year-old kid. They go into a store, they buy a lottery ticket. They rub off the ticket. They jump up and down that they won $5. The kid looks at it and says, wow, I want to do that. This is free money. And I'll give you a classic example. I have a granddaughter who's now 12. When she was about five, I took her to the bank with me and I took out $500 out of the ATM machine. And my little Ashley says, Poppy, do it again. It's free money. And that's what these kids are believing when they see their parents going to gamble or they rub off even a lottery ticket and win some money. We, we now have a nation of gamblers. We've made gambling accessible so available and accessible that probably everybody in America is within 100 miles of a casino someplace in this country or some legal establishment, whether it's a lottery ticket. You know, the legislators in this country think they found the painless way to raise money. They have lottery, they have casinos, they have racetracks, and all kinds of other various internet gambling and all kinds of other stuff going on in this country. But they're not really looking at the citizens that are being destroyed. One of the biggest secrets is the armed services. I could tell you that me and my wife did a training in Kam Sama, Japan. We spent three or four days there training their staff that treat the service people. And about two doors away was the slot machines. In all the bases outside of America, you have slot machines. And the government makes money from the slot machines that's taken away from the soldiers and the Marines and the sailors and taken away from the spouses of those families so they could make money to support the USO. It's crazy. Hmm. So what would be your advice right now to parents, to grandparents? What do you want them to know? If you have a problem now or think somebody in your family has a problem, get help now because it's not going to get any better. And I wish you would call today to get help because if you wait down the road, you're going to wish you're going to be back where you are today as you're hearing this interview. Mm. All right. Where can people uh, find your book or talk to you or get counseling? The book is available in Amazon. It's also available, I believe, in Barnes & Noble. And if it's not available in Barnes & Noble, they can order it and they'll bring it in because they have 800 copies, I understand. But Amazon delivers it right away. The other thing, there's some great comments. If you look under the book on Amazon where it says comments or reviews, there's about 30 reviews out there that are great. They can email me at aswexler.com. W-E-X-L-E-R at AOL.com. They can call me at 888-LAST-BED, and I'll be happy to help anybody or any family member. Well, that's really great. Any closing thoughts for us? What would you like to leave our listeners with? I, I just wish that we could change the image today that we have of compulsive gambling. We look at drug addicts and alcoholics, and we say the perception is that that they're uh, sick people. They look at compulsive gamblers and they say we're bad people and crooks. I would love the book to be able to change that perception. Also, I think we need not to let our addiction define us, but our recovery define us, and that's really why the book was written. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, I I really, uh, really appreciate you coming on the program. 
It was, it was I, I appreciate you and what you did, and your questions were absolutely wonderful. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Ernie. All right, stand on the line for a minute. The book is All Bets Are Off, Losers, Liars, and Recovery from Gambling Addiction. Arnie and Sheila Wexler. Uh, get a hold of the book. And again, uh, what's the website again? Tell us one more time. My website is www.aswexler. That's A for Arnold, S for Sheila, Wexler, W-E-X-L-E-R. Dot com and there's a great blog on there with about 200 articles on compulsive gambling addiction. All right. Thanks so much, Arnie. All right. Thank All you. All right, folks, uh, that wraps up this interview. Stay with us. We have another interview coming right up, right here on voiceamerica.com. I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.